1 Corinthians in chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, several things mentioned here that deals with the subject of remembering. See there in verse 24, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 24, And when he had given thanks, he brake it and says, Take ye, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Then he says in verse 25, After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. They were to remember some things. And that's why I believe this is so very, very important. Look there in verse 2 of chapter 11, where he says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them unto you. Remember, remember, remember. Some of the greatest sins America commits in individual Christians is they seem to forget. One thing about being faithful and going to church, it helps you to remember. Helps you to remember things you've already studied, you've already known. Stirring up your remembrance as Peter makes the statement. So, um, kind of hard to keep things straight when you remember. Sometimes you can remember the wrong things. Kind of like this man who came home from work. And he realized, you know, my wife and I, we've been married a long time. I haven't been a perfect husband, but I'm going to buy her some flowers and tell her how much I love her. So he walked in the house with a big smile on his face, flowers in his hand. Saw his wife and said, honey, I just want to let you know I love you. She starts to cry. She's got a, a baby sitting on her hip, one in the hopper, sweat running down her face. She said, here I am. I've been at home working my fingers to the bone, taking care of the kids, cooking the meals, and then you come home drunk. <laughs> Maybe you remember the story about King Arthur and Sir Lancelot. You see, when Sir Lancelot was a close friend of King Arthur. And he was, you know, young. He went traveling one day and he got caught by some people on the, another country. And they were going to kill him. He says, spare me, I'm young. He says, well, we've always wondered something. And if you can answer the question for us, well, we want to invade your country. He says, what, what, what do you want to, we want to know. Nobody in our whole country can answer this question. What does a woman really want? King Arthur said, well, I'm, I'm not married. I don't know. He says, well, you've got a few months to find out. So anyway, King Arthur goes back and he begins to question everybody in his realm. Nobody knew what women really wanted. And so um, they said, well, there's only one person that really knows the answer to all of this stuff, and, and that's a witch. But she's the ugliest thing you've ever seen. Long hook nose, one eye didn't work, big old wart on the end of her nose, one tooth, hag, looked like her hair had been boiled in oil. I mean, the ugliest woman in the world. So well, I hate to go to her, but time was running out. So anyway, Sir Lancelot went and asked her, says, um, we need to know what do women really want? She said, oh, I can tell you. 
but I want something in return. Well, what do you want? You know that good-looking Sir Lancelot? Yeah. I want him to marry me. He's got a promise to marry me. King Arthur thought, I can't do that. Not to this. But Sir Lancelot, he found out about it, and he went to the king and says, King, nothing is too great for me to do to sacrifice for my country. I'll, I'll marry this old witch. So he went back to see her and said, Well, what, what do women really want? To have their own way. And he knew that was it. Women just want to have their own way. So King Arthur performed the wedding. So Lancelot was going home for the first night. And he remembered that she was the ugliest thing in the world. He didn't want to go in the house. He got to the door and opened the door, and lo and behold, there stood the most beautiful woman in the world. He said, where'd you come from? She says, since you decided to let me have my own way, I decided to be the most beautiful woman in the world. Now, the moral of this story is simple. Unless you let the woman have her own way, things are going to get pretty ugly. If you don't let God have his own way, things are going to get pretty ugly. And with some people, life is pretty ugly. Now, I've just given you some notes on things for you to remember. So I want you to look there in your notes. And we're going to kind of go through this. And I want you to follow the scriptures here with me. Because this is to help us to remember why we do the Lord's Supper, why we have communion. It's to remember something. He says, do that in remembrance of me. And a lot of people seem to forget the most important things in life. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 15, where you have here, he says, I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. God made a promise. Now this is supposed to teach us that when God makes a promise, God keeps a promise. Did God ever promise us the free gift of everlasting life if we trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior? Did He promise that? Do you believe that God will keep His promise? He that believeth on me hath what? And that's what He promised. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a promise. It means you cannot in the future ever go to hell. Have everlasting life means you get to go to heaven. It's a promise that God has made. God keeps His word. And in all these years, there's never been a flood that covers the whole earth. But God does say He's reserving the world for a fiery judgment one day. This world is going to be destroyed by fire. You talk about global warming. Global warming is going to happen, that is for sure. Look at the next verse, Genesis chapter 40 and verse 23, right there in your notes. 
There was a young man. He was a young boy at the time. He was sold by his brothers to a caravan going down into Egypt. He hadn't done anything wrong. He was a good kid. And God had kind of let him see some things that his brothers didn't like. And he simply told them. And they hated him for it. They were filled with jealousy. And the Bible says that he was taken down into Egypt and next thing you know he was accused, falsely accused of trying to rape this man's wife. It didn't happen because he got his coat and he ran, but he had to suffer the consequences of false accusation. His brothers had turned against him, and now he was accused and thrown in prison. While he was there, a butler and a baker was also cast into prison. They had dreams, and Joseph told them what it meant. When he told them what it meant, one of them was killed, the baker. Then you had the butler, and he told the butler, he says, when you get out of here, remember me, remember me. Tell them about me. But when he got out, he forgot all about it. So you see there in this verse, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but he forgot him. He forgot him. And then notice what he says about what he had forgot, that it was a fault. You see, some things we're to remember, and there's things that we're to forget. God's Word is full of things to remember and things to forget. But today, we're talking about things to remember. So look at the next verse in chapter 41 of Genesis, verse 9. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Now, God can use a man's memory. Because now, Joseph is set free. And the reason is because there was a, somebody, the Pharaoh... He had a dream, and he couldn't interpret the dream. And so he needed the man of God, and the butler remembered that Joseph had been able to interpret a dream that he had. And he says, then I remembered. Something clicked. And so they got Joseph and brought him to Pharaoh, and he told him about the seven fat cows and the seven skinny cows. He explained to him what it meant. They're going to have seven years of plenty. Seven years of drought. Told them what to do. And so Pharaoh wind up putting Joseph second in the command in the whole land of Egypt. You see, God says in his word to Psalms, God sent him down into Egypt to save his people. You see, God had a plan behind all of this. God had a reason why he allowed his brothers to do what they did. And sometimes you as a child of God, all you want to do is serve the Lord. And it seems like a lot of things go wrong. But did you realize God may be allowing those things to happen to you for a reason? Because God wants you to be in a certain place at a certain time because God had a plan. You can't figure it all out. But you're to trust the Lord. And to remember that God loves you and never forget it. And that God is working out His plan that He may not have told you about. He doesn't have to tell us in advance. He didn't tell these guys in advance. But God did. 
God is always on the throne, and God is always watching, and He will give every one of us personalized attention. You see there, the next one, Exodus chapter 13, verse 3, And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. Now the people, they had never laid eyes upon the Lord. All they saw was a man named Moses who came out of the wilderness and he says, I am that I am, have sent me. And he goes in there and tells Pharaoh, let my people go. And then everything seems to happen. One plague after the other until finally they were able to leave. But the children of Israel were not to forget how good God had been to them. God says He heard their cries because they complained because of the taskmasters that were on them. They had been made slaves. And so God heard their cries and He brought them out. So He says in verse 13, Brought you out from this place, there shall no leavened bread be eaten. It means no bread with yeast in it, so it didn't have time to rise. They were to leave quickly, eat quickly and leave. Be ready to go. And God says, don't forget this. So he even gave them a, a time called the Passover, where they would remember that when God passed over their firstborn, they were safe. Because the blood had been applied upon the, the linen on the doorpost. So, God says, I don't want you to forget. So they were to have Passover all the time, down through the years. So they'd always remember. This is why. You remember what I did for you. But isn't it a shame that sometimes people forget what God has done? You'd be surprised. There has probably been times in your life when you have cried out to God... For him to do something, meet something, save something, whatever. But there should be times in your life where you have cried out to the Lord. And maybe you've even made God some promises or pledges. Or maybe a vow to God. If you're married, you did make one. And you'd be surprised how easy it is to forget how good God has been to you and delivered you from things. And you made promises and dedicate your life. And then you forget all about it. Happens all the time. But now notice in the next verse, where it says in verse 13, Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saith unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of. He said, I will give it to your seed, and they shall inherit it for how long? Forever. Did God make a promise? There's a promise that God made. But He also made another promise that if you rebel against me, I'm going to take you out of the land and scatter you upon the face of the earth. So which one do you think they chose? They chose to be separated from their land by their wicked decisions. And it didn't have to happen that way. But God told them this is what's going to happen. But they forgot they forgot to be faithful to God. 
They didn't remember all the things that God has done. They forgot His Word. They forgot His warnings. And you'd be surprised how many times we forget that God is going to chasten disobedience, chasten rebellion. You and I cannot live as we please and get away with it. There is a price for us to pay. Look at the uh, next one. Numbers 11 and verse 5 says, We remember. Now, things have been going pretty bad in the wilderness. And they, yes, they griped and grumbled, murmured and complained. But now, notice what they remember. They forgot about, you know, those taskmasters and the slavery they were under and how hard it was. They forgot about they passed a law saying you must abort all the male children. And they cried to God. They forgot all about that. And notice what he says. We remember when we were down in Egypt. The fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, freely. They were slaves. Dumb, dumb. And he says, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onion and the garlic. Yes, I just love onions and I just love garlic. They forgot the misery they were in. Why? Because now it seems so hard. I've watched people make promises to God when they were in the hospital. Oh, preacher, pray, pray for me that I can get well. Why? Why do you want to get well? I don't want to die. Why not? Well, I want to live. Oh, why do you want to live? Why do you want to live? To continue in your rebellion? I told one person, I says, I'm not praying for you to get well. He says, what? You're the preacher. I says, I'm not going to. I says, if I realize that you want to get well so that you can serve God, fine. I says, but that's not your that's, that's not mine either. I'm out of here. And I walked out. You say you shouldn't do that. Yes, I will do that. You play games with God. I'm not playing games with you. I got better things to do with my time and my prayers. I'll pray God chasten and discipline you until you wake up and decide, I'm going to serve God. If not, then let God take you home. You said, that's not right. Yes, it is. You read the book. I already read it. I know what God's Word says. And I love it. I love what God says. But anyway, as we're moving right along here, look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 18, there in your notes. Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. Do you remember? See, God does not always make you remember. He just makes you wish you had remembered. You're responsible for the control of your mind. Now, sometimes, and I have a bad problem with this, remembering names. Now, I remember Mary. I remember Valerie. I just met him just a minute ago. But I was in the office the other day, and I asked Greg to come in the office, and he came in. I'm sitting there at my desk, and Greg's sitting there. Is Greg in here now? Greg? Yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting, I was going to write something. I can't remember what it was. And I said, uh, what's your name? Didn't I, didn't I, Greg? I said, what's, what's your name? Greg, Greg looked at me and he tilted his head. He says, you know my name. I said, Greg, right now, I didn't say Greg. I said, right now, I don't, I don't know your name. He says, Greg. I wrote it down. I said, what's your last name? Now, my mind will just go totally blank, and I have no clue 
what your name may be. It's not new. I've been doing this for 50 years. So far, I have not forgot my wife's name. Like this one man. He was out with his wife and a couple of others. And they were sitting around talking and having a good time. And every time you say, honey, sweetie pie, you know, real nice, wonderful, you know, name. And so the ladies got up, went to the restroom, and the guy that was sitting there, he says, uh, I'm really impressed that you always address your wife as sweetie, honey, something like that. He said, tell you the truth, he said, I forgot her name 20 years ago. <laughs> Some of y'all are going to go home and ask, what's my name? <laughs> when were we married? I love it when I ask, how long is your anniversary? She looks at him. 29 years? 28. He says, it seemed like 29. <laughs> but you sometimes have trouble with your mind. This is why you don't think you need church all the time. Well, I know the Bible. Yeah, but you'd be surprised how much you forget. And you need to hear it over and over and over again. Things you've already heard, already know, but you'd be surprised how easy to forget. Because if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Don't use it, you'll lose it. Look at the next scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, and verse 2, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness. Why? To humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. You see, God can already say, I know everything before anybody does it. But you don't know it. And God wants you to know what He knows. So He will test you and try you. And you'd be surprised what God will do in your life. See, the most important thing you can ever do is, remember, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor and so on. So those are two of the greatest commandments in the law. But those things were not changed just because we have the New Testament are we not still supposed to love the Lord? Now we can love the Lord. And we are commanded to love one another. Now we can't love one another. So the Bible tells us this is what God wants us to do. And so there's things God's going to do to test you to see whether or not how much do you love Him? How much do you love Him? Men, picture that good-looking blonde bombshell as she walks by. Do you love God do you want to please God more than yourself with that good-looking blonde bombshell? You see, your love is your restraint upon doing something God forbids. When you don't have the love for the Lord and want to please the Lord, then when He's out of the picture, you please me. It's my joy, my habit, whatever I want to do. And there's not that restraint. So God said, if you love me, if you love me, serve me. And if you serve me, he says, my father will honor you. But nobody can make you love God. Nobody can actually make you love anybody. Can they? Nobody can make you love anybody. And so many people don't. When sin abounds, love dissipates. Where there is no love, sin abounds. Look at the next statement. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Notice what he says. This is an awesome verse. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God that 
for it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth. God has put you into this world, and you're the one, if you'll obey the Lord, God says, He's the one that can give you the power to get wealth. Now, I'm not on this health and wealth kick that everybody should be wealthy. No, but this is talking to the children of Israel and how God was going to bless Israel. And so because of their obedience to God, God had promised they wouldn't have to have a health care system. I'll put none of these diseases upon you. They wouldn't have to worry about none of that stuff. And if the children obeyed their parents, they could live a long, healthy life. There's all kinds of things that come with obedience to God. But if you don't, there's a price to pay. Look at the next verse. Deuteronomy 9, 7 says, Remember and forget not how thou provokest the Lord thy God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt until ye came unto this place. Ye have been rebellious against the Lord. And God was angry with them. Let me ask you a question. I asked this in Sunday school. Is it possible that you as a child of God can make God angry at you? As a child in your family, have you ever done or said anything that made your parents angry and upset with you? Now, isn't it true that the more obedient you are, the more freedom you have? And then when you become rebellious, they tighten up and they limit you, ground you, whoop you, no money, no this, none of that. You'd be surprised how that obedience brings more freedom. And if you don't obey the Lord, you'll lose your freedom because God's going to clamp down on you. And you'd be surprised how God can dry up things in your life. There's a God we serve. He's not sleeping. He's aware of everything that goes on. So, I would suggest, don't make God angry. 